Welcome back to the Jote Show here on the Dion Family Network, episode 25. We've got NFL Week 9, which already Week 9, this is, I already feel sad. I know I've got quite a bit of time left with this season, just really, really rolls on pretty fast. We've got So we got, yeah, Week 9, and then the second segment is just kind of, eh, segment makes it sound so official, um... NBA, MLB, NHL, there's kind of miscellaneous news because there's not really much in any of them right now, so they all can't really have their own segment. But let's start in the NFL. It's really the, I was going to say moneymaker, it's the newsmaker right now. I mean, outside of the United States, or outside of the U.S. election, but we get to turn our attention to football now. This is Saturday night, so obviously the results did come in, but this isn't political. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about sports. Thursday night, Green Bay took down San Francisco, and I think watching this game, remembering that it was the NFC Championship game last year, it really sucks that San Francisco is not fully healthy. I know they showed a graphic from week one that – Six of their offensive starters weren't playing in this game against the Packers. And I think defensively they lost. I, naming, listing them like this isn't always the best because you forget someone. But, well, Nick Bosa, D Ford, Richard Sherman. I don't know why I get Solomon Thomas. Like there's key contributors from this defense that are missing and the offense is even worse. Think about a fully healthy, and I mean, we talked about the playoff picture before. San Francisco is still kind of in it, even though they really doesn't feel like they deserve to be. So the Packers win 34-17. It was 34-10 until the last few seconds and a garbage time touchdown. Aaron Rodgers, just a man on a mission. Again, coming off the loss, and to me, the spread didn't really matter. Because I didn't think, especially in San Francisco, it's not going to go over 10 just because you kind of give Kyle Shanahan the benefit of the doubt that he can keep it kind of close. But the Niners kick a field goal in the first quarter, two touchdowns in the fourth, all Packers in between. Aaron Rodgers, 305 yards and four touchdown passes. Devontae Adams, just an absolute beast, one of the best wide receivers undoubtedly obviously it helps that he has Aaron Rodgers but 10 receptions 173 yards and a touchdown that's pretty ridiculous even I thought it was interesting that the Niners released uh Dante Pettis because he seemed to me he was never really a wide receiver even as a prospect I loved him coming out of Washington but I always thought he was a punt returner that's a a good second, third string wide receiver if you really need him. They released him. They were trying to trade him, and the Giants picked him up, which is going to be a great move for them. But Richie James really stepped up. Nine receptions, 184 yards, and a touchdown. Obviously, you're getting passes from Nick Mullins, who didn't play horrible. I mean, you're playing against Aaron Rodgers. You're going to get outplayed, unfortunately. But I thought Mullins held his own for the most part. I just ripped this mic out of the stand. Um, try to move it up. All right, or not? Um, I think this is more of a credit to the Packers. They're six and two now, which I didn't know that. Uh, Mike McCarthy, in his entire tenure with the Packers, he started off six and two and better. I think it was three times. I don't want to paraphrase, but or I kind of have to, but. Matt LaFleur has done it the last two years. They went 13-3 last year. Obviously, that is attainable. It's possible. I don't – I think at some level you're going to you're gonna slip up. They have the Bears chasing them, but I think we all kind of acknowledge that the Bears are good, but the, they're really – their only problem is the quarterback position. We'll get to the Bears once we get to their game, but the Packers kind of seem like they have an easy road to the playoffs, and it's more about seeding than actually making the playoffs. For the Niners, again, this sucks. We'll wait till next year, but they got dominated. It was my eliminator pick, I decided, Thursday morning. 
how could the Packers really lose this one? I could see them not covering. I mean, they were two and a half point favorites. What I got it at in San Francisco. Let's just hope we get a healthy Niners team next year and that NFC West becomes even more lethal. And I think they're going to get three playoff teams. So think about all four of them being good next year. That's it for Thursday. Let's get to let's get to these Sunday games. Up first, Denver, the Broncos visiting Atlanta. Um, all my spreads come from ESPN because they update them so often. Obviously, you can go FanDuel, DraftKings, any of those. I just get to ESPN. They set them at the beginning of the week, and usually you can kind of catch them off guard because something changes, which makes them want makes them want to change it. The spread that is. So yeah, Falcons minus three and a half. I think the only the only reason why it kind of it could make sense to make the Falcons a favorite is they haven't really had Julio Jones that much. Calvin Ridley has stepped up and been a number one wide receiver when he's had to. Matt Ryan leads the NFL in passing yards. Derek, uh, let's say Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry leads their league in rushing, but Todd Gurley is fourth, five hundred and thirty-one yards. It's not the Falcons' offense. It's not their problem. It's the defense. And I don't really know, especially from what we saw. I'm just going to take this out. From what we saw with the Broncos last week against the Chargers, I don't know why Why would we think the Falcons are winning this. I mean, if they get caught in a shootout, maybe they can get a turnover off of Drew Locke. But I don't know. I'm taking the Broncos. I like that I can take the underdog to win just outright and sure i'll take the two three and a half points i don't trust the falcons especially if they have a lead we we know what they're gonna do and this is coming from someone that cheers for them unfortunately i mean if it turns into a shootout that's the best case scenario especially in a weather controlled not really a dome but stadium that should be a good one this whole slate is actually pretty good like not not too many bad mismatched games <clears throat> next up uh just uh at least on paper i think a lot of teams are are bullish on one of these but seattle is going to buffalo so they're going cross country from obviously from seattle up to western new york seattle's favored by two and a half in buffalo i think that's that's the right number i'll take the seahawks to win and cover, but I think this Bills team is kind of set up like the Packers, where the teams chasing them are not really like we're not looking at elite teams. It's New England, it's Miami, who Buffalo has beaten both of them. I don't really think they're a Super Bowl contender, but they're just kind of the best team in their division. This is going to be a great battle between two teams where their offense is pretty good. Seattle's is definitely better, at least on paper. But it's going to be it's whose defense is going to step up is really the key of this. And it's going to be a test for Josh Allen. Can you keep up with a star quarterback like Patrick or uh, like Russell Wilson? He couldn't do it against Patrick Mahomes. So that's really the test for Buffalo. And Josh Allen, can you at least keep it close with one of these elite guys? Because people saying he's top ten, and I love I love doing the rankings thing. It's fun. You can especially for football, they play between Thursday and Monday. So by Tuesday, you can project. Because I, I do power rankings, and that's on my blog Jack Dash Dion ninety nine dot blogspot dot com. Really, just NFL picks right now. But once our other leagues get back up and running, we'll. Uh, I'll, I'll do picks. I don't know. I, free agency and stuff is kind of hard to do. Um, but yeah, for this one, Seattle Buffalo. I think it, again, we're just two. We're two two games into the slate, and it's already a good week. We're gonna have two playoff two playoff teams in this one, probably two division winners. It might show the difference though between the AFC and NFC because I think the AFC has more potential playoff teams, but. The NFC is higher-end skill 
our higher end teams are better. I mean, we'll, we never really get to see it because it's one game and it's the Super Bowl. At least it's not like baseball where the rules are different. Maybe not now, but before they were. Next up, Chicago Bears uh, going to Tennessee, face the Titans. Titans favored by five and a half. The Bears were in that game last week against the Saints. The fact that they pushed it to overtime, at least for the Saints, I would consider that a disappointment. They eked out with the win, but the Bears are five and three. They're really on track to be a wild card team. They don't really even have to go like they don't their record doesn't have to be crazy down the stretch. It's kind of set up for them, especially with the Niners. The Niners to me would have been the team that could knock the Bears out. Tennessee, they every game they're in is close. I think so they're coming off from five and two, so do they have, I don't even remember them playing last week, which I feel like is kind of bad and I should have remembered that. Oh. And that's why I forgot because they didn't play well. So the Titans that I said every game was close. That loss to the Bengals was the first game that wasn't close, and the Bengals kind of controlled the ball. And it really, not that it was never close, but Joey B, Joey Burrow, that Joe Burrow has just been a revelation for the NFL and makes that AFC North have four legitimately fun teams going forward. In this one, though, I. Again, I, I always make some of them will be last-second calls. You can find it jack on 99blogspotcom uh, It'll be in the description, too, just right now, just when I look at it. Because especially in this, you got to pick upsets. You can't just, like, oh, I'm going to take every favor. That's just that's boring. That's why I took the Broncos. Obviously, the Seahawks is a little – I think I'm going to go with the Bears. I'm going with them to at least cover. But right now, I'm thinking – that just might be an outright win. Um, unless the Titans really have a fire lit under them. Because this is really... I know they're 5-2 and two and on track for a playoff spot, but this is really a make or break. You just lost to the Bengals, who... Frankly, the Bengals aren't good. This Bears team, we don't really know if they're good. It's going to be a good test for Tennessee if you can't match up well with the Bears and... I assume it's it's got to be Nick Foles as long as as long as because Trubisky has like a shoulder injury. I didn't know he was going to see specialists. He's rehabbing in Chicago. I don't even know if he's dressing or playing or obviously dressing and playing kind of similar. But I like the Bears. Give me give me Nick Foles. Give me Big Dick Nick. It's a classic nickname. I hope one day he goes back to the Eagles and as the backup to Jalen Hurts and. It'd be a fun story. So, yeah, give me the Bears. At least the cover right now, I'd say win might be a last second change. Next up, division matchup Detroit Lions, who do ha- indeed have Matt Stafford. I think that was a big concern going into uh, the weekend. He is going to play. He was on the COVID 19 list. He's fine now. At least playing could change tomorrow morning. It really is how the season is. Uh, Minnesota favored by three and a half at home. It's a it's such a weird Minnesota's such a weird team. You just you think if you just give them obviously Colin Kaepernick is we is still a talented quarterback. I don't think anyone could deny that. You give them Jameis Winston are they really? My thing is, are they just are they worse with Jameis Winston? Because Kirk Cousins just doesn't do anything for you. I think if they had a mobile quarterback that could at least move around, it would make a difference. Obviously, they have two really good receivers: Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. Dalvin Cook is the best running back, top three running. I th- I don't think you could really put him at this moment below three because you can't put Saquon in that list. Christian McCaffrey's been out. I think he's a top three running back. And he carried them to a win against Green Bay. That's exactly why I'm going to pick the Lions. I picked them last week against the Colts, and they got... When was the last week against the Colts? I think so. Um, checking, checking, checking. Yeah, they lost by 20 to the Colts. But you know what? I'm going to take the Lions again. I don't trust the Vikings, and I got duped into thinking they were good after the Seattle game, and 
now I'm I'm just out. I don't trust Kirk Cousins. I think Matt Stafford's offense is better. The only, I mean, I don't say the only difference, but Dalvin Cook is the best player in this game. Next up, Baltimore, the former Colts facing the now Colts in Indianapolis. Baltimore favored by two and a half at home or on the road in Indy. I think Baltimore. This is a this is a statement game. You they haven't they lost to Kansas City on Monday night, week two I think. They lost Pittsburgh last week. They were on that game winning drive. They had the chance to win, but couldn't pull it off. What is what is your move now? Indianapolis is most likely going to be a playoff team. Is it only Kansas City and Pittsburgh you can't beat? Is Indy now in that list? That's really for Baltimore as a contender. They gave Ronnie Stanley a $98 million extension and then lost him on Sunday. We, I assume he's out for the year, which is kind of the way everyone was talking about it. So now depleted offensive line, the only thing that does, I don't help. I don't know if help is the right word, but that does make it easier without Ronald Stanley, Ronnie Stanley. I think I said Ronald, Ronnie Stanley, is that Lamar is, he's an escape artist. He's so great with his legs. And I'm I'm done with the, he's a bad passer. Sure, in big games, not even, I don't even want to say disappears. He, he falters sometime in big games. And I think we have to realize that's okay. It's his third year in the NFL and if he was already that amazing, then it just kind of like he's not going to dominate all the time. He's going to get better. And last year, he led the NFL in passing touchdowns. The Colts have burned me all year. So I feel like no matter which way I pick, I'm going to be wrong. I'm almost tempted to pick the Colts just to be wrong and the Ravens blow them out. But I'm going to take the Ravens. I think the running attack can is strong enough that they can supplement losing a guy like Ronnie Stanley, who. Let's not get it twisted. He is one of, if not the best, left tackle in football. And losing him is detrimental for a Super Bowl run. For right now, though, I think this Ravens defense can get turnovers on Phillip Rivers. And if he has a good game, he's bound to disappoint. He threw, yeah, I think he threw for under 300 yards against the Lions. I'm going to say Phillip Rivers probably throws for 300 yards and maybe three interceptions. I know making predictions and assumptions like that never turns out well but I just don't trust Rivers I think that's another I know Andrew Luck retired because of health reasons and I would never this isn't like a slight on him but just like put Andrew Luck on this team are they better than I think with Andrew Luck I would confidently say that Indianapolis is better than Baltimore but Phillip Rivers is just such a wild card at this rate that it's really hard to tell. So yeah, give me the Ravens. Give me minus two and a half. I don't trust the Colts, and that's that's the that's the scary thing is I don't. The Ravens are slowly losing my trust. The Colts, they lost a Week One when they lost to Jacksonville, and I'm pretty sure that's Jacksonville. Yeah, that's Jacksonville's only win on the year. So thanks, Hope Rivers. Next up. Carolina, the Panthers going to Kansas City, face the seven and one Chiefs. Panthers are three and five. A really disappointing loss last week. I know Teddy Bridgewater got banged up by a pretty dirty hit, but it sucks that Carolina didn't come back in that game. And I'm saying that as someone that cheers to the Falcons, but I just really I I really like this Panthers team. I like Matt Rule. Just the way that team plays is just fun and I want to see them in the playoffs, but Losing to the Falcons like that is definitely putting a wrench in those plans. So Kansas City, obviously they destroyed the Jets last week. It's the first time they've ever, or first time this year, I'll say, that they just nominated. Obviously it's the worst team in football, but you got to take those victories or those blow-up victories any way, shape, or form. That's still an NFL team. That's not... That's why I I really don't want to see anything about, oh, could Alabama or Clemson beat the Jets? No. I will take the team of grown men, especially if they say, 
oh yeah, you're going to play a bunch of college kids. I think an NFL team, that's all the motivation you need to play is, oh, these college kids think they can beat us? All right, here we go. The Jets are bad, but the Chiefs are a Super Bowl contender. Chiefs are favored by 10.5 this game. I think that's a little steep. Christian McCaffrey is coming back for the Panthers. I think that makes a big difference, even though Mike Davis is really good, and I think it feeds into the narrative that running backs aren't really that they are expendable and that you could pull guys off the streets. And as long as you have a decent offensive line and a good offensive system that really anyone can flourish. I think McCaffrey probably, there's a category of them that kind of fall into, all right, I guess you can pay them because Christian McCaffrey could honestly be a wide receiver and I don't think it would make that much of a difference. If they lined him up at slot receiver and put Mike Davis in the backfield, I think that team... And I, I mean, you add Christian McCaffrey to that wide receiving core that's already, I was about to say Debo, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, that's that's more than enough. Then you add McCaffrey and Mike Davis, that's a really good offense. And their defense is, I don't want to say playing above their head, but definitely better than I would have expected. So I'll take the Chiefs to win. I like the Panthers to cover, though. I think this is going to be a better game than people realize. At least I hope it is. That's that's kind of just trying to speak it into existence. Next up, another division matchup. New York Giants, they're traveling to Washington to face the football team. Giants beat them earlier this year. In Washington, they're just they're really not that good. Chase Young, I think, has been, I don't want to say, definitely by no means a disappointment. But I think this Washington, Washington team is a disappointment because... I have expected way more out of their defense. They also need a quarterback, which high draft pick this year. You could probably find a, I mean, obviously if you get number one, it's Trevor Lawrence, most likely Justin Fields, Trey Lance. I think there's enough guys out there. And even if they wait one more year, sure. But what really is the point of waiting for a quarterback? They tried to do it with Haskins and it just, it didn't work. Also, I heard rumors that Haskins there was a chance he could have gotten traded to the Colts. And weirdly enough, I don't think Haskins is that good, but I think the Colts would make him good. Oddly enough. This is another... There's no no way you could say this is a bad game. I don't care if both of these teams... They have three combined wins. They're both competitive. The Giants were in that Bucks game, and it could have been pass interference. I think it was Antoine Winfield Jr., Could have been pass interference. I don't really, it's too hard to tell. But if they get that two-point conversion, they go to overtime and you win the coin toss and you could walk away beating Tom Brady and Daniel Jones starts the legacy as the next Eli Manning. That's, That's what could have happened. I don't think Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback, but he's fine for now. I'm going to take the Giants. They're one in seven, I think, one of the things that's always telling of a team is what your record is against the spread. And the Giants are 5-3. and three. So I'll take the underdog. They're the Giants. I'll take them to win. Plus 3.5. I think it's more of an indictment on Washington than really how good the Giants are or could be. Obviously, Saquon makes a big difference. Not playing. Next up. Another division matchup, Houston-Jacksonville. This is probably the worst game of the day, if we're just being honest. Houston's favored by 6.5 in Jacksonville. No Gardner Minshew for the Jaguars. I think James Robinson has been probably the second best running back out of this rookie class with Clyde Edwards-Alaire with the Chiefs. I think they're going to rely on him pretty, or they're going to have to rely on him pretty heavily. I don't even know who Jacksonville's starting because I heard it could have been Mike Lennon. Um, hurt, hurt, hurt. Oh, Dakota Allen. Oh, let's look up Jaguars. No, no, no. I click starting running back. Um,. Six and a half, just 
Um, Jake Lutton? Luton? I really... It's him or Mike Glennon, so... Six and a half, obviously. I think that spread was made knowing it was no Gardner Minshew and just whoever isn't Gardner Minshew is not really going to keep it within a touchdown. I think Jacksonville is always out to surprise teams. I'll take Houston to win. I think Deshaun Watson does enough with his targets, and we really need to give Watson his credit for bringing bringing Brandon Cooks and Kenny Stills and Will Fuller and... Obviously, they're one and six, but they're still competitive. And Sean Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I'll take the Texans to win. I'll take the Jags to cover because I can't imagine. Like, I mean, obviously, it's possible that Texans blow them out, but I just don't think their offense is good enough, unfortunately. Next up, the Las Vegas Raiders visiting the Los Angeles Chargers, two teams that really shouldn't have moved and just made this more confusing. If this was Oakland, San Diego, it would be a familiar feeling, but now we got both of these teams moved. Derek Carver's Justin Herbert, the Chargers, with an absolutely devastating gut-wrenching loss to the Broncos last week. The Raiders? I don't even know what to play. Raider. I'll have to prepare. Well, it's hard to remember last week. Oh, the Raiders beat the Browns in that pretty weather-dependent game. Chargers are favored by one and a half. I think Justin Herbert isn't the problem. If anything, I would say it's Anthony Lynn. Just He's a good coach, but they can just never hold leads. And Anthony Lynn and Dan Quinn, they, they're just not good at holding leads, and it's too bad because it seems, it seems like this Chargers team is talented enough to be a playoff team, and obviously if they had Derwin James, I think that really does make a difference. But in this one... Um, really not confident in it and easily I will look back on this and be like why did I pick that wrong I'm gonna take the Chargers Chargers minus one and a half it's a small spread either way it's not really gonna I mean I hope it doesn't eh, not really I hope more just to win it but I don't think this game is gonna be within a point or two points either way it's probably a field goal game I'll take the Chargers, just maybe they get off the schneid, and maybe the Raiders kind of have a letdown after a weird, weird win in Cleveland. I'm not sure. Next up, a game that should have been, that just, again, San Francisco is the number one pick this year for, man, if they didn't have injuries. If we could just turn injuries off in the NFL, Dallas is second, because this is this is a division winner with a different quarterback. With Dak Prescott, that's a division winner. With Dak Prescott, think about this game. Pittsburgh-Dallas, two of the most classic NHL... NHL. Two of the most classic NFL franchises they have up there of the most Super Bowls. I don't even honestly don't know how many they have. Probably there with the Patriots, which is crazy that the Patriots just won all of these in the 21st century. But instead, it's Pittsburgh. They're seven and zero. Dallas is two and six. Pittsburgh's favored by ten and a half in Dallas. I think that's too low. I saw two touchdowns. That was a little more interesting. But the only way Pittsburgh loses this game is if they really play bad. And Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert. I don't really see them stealing the show. Ben DiNucci couldn't do it. Andy Dalton probably couldn't. So I'll take the Steelers. I'll take the minus 10.5. And, and it's a. At least. I think this. It could be the worst game. Really, it could, it could be like 45 to 3. I think it's better than Houston Jacksonville because at least it's two. At least they're going to play it in Dallas. So it'll look nice. But that's about all the positive of that game. Next up. Uh, besides, I think I'm going to say that this is my favorite. Seattle-Buffalo could be fun, but I also could see Josh Allen really losing that for Buffalo. So I'm going to say my favorite game of the week. 
Miami going to Arizona, face the Cardinals. Arizona favored by four and a half to a time versus Kyler. I didn't realize it, and this is the great thing. I have to give credit credit to Madden. I probably, especially during football season, it's about the video game I play the most. All I really play is sports games, but um, I've played Miami versus Arizona. Just just wanted to see. I think I played as Arizona, but I just like seeing seeing the teams using Madden to help with football knowledge is actually pretty good because then you go, oh yeah, this guy went there. Obviously, the ratings can be a little skewed, but this game is really fun. Kyler and Tua actually have a... I mean, I remember them both being in college football. I never remember them playing each other, but uh, the year Kyler won the Heisman, Tua was second or third in the voting, but then Tua beat Kyler, like Alabama beat Oklahoma in the college football playoffs. So these two guys already have a history. It's the battle of the number ones not number one picks. Obviously, Kyler was. Tua was fourth or fifth, something like that. But it's the battle of the guys that were number one. It's two short quarterbacks, pretty pretty mobile. Tua didn't really have to do much That's last week. That's why it's kind of... It's difficult to know what Miami can do because Arizona has... It's kind of crazy that they have the... Number one offense. I mean, according to DVOA, no, but wait, let's let's see. No, oh, they're actually like below quite a few teams. But someone said to Kyler that they have the number one offense. I'm not sure what in what metric or anything, but this Arizona offense is pretty lethal. Their defense isn't great, but I think that's why Tua didn't have to do much because. Miami's defense carried them. So I don't know if Tua Time is really ready for a game like this, for a presumably high-scoring game. You have to assume the Cardinals are going to put up points. It's just a matter of can they get a couple stops. Looking at it now, it actually makes me want to change my pick. I, I'm going to go with the Cardinals to win, but I, I think I'm actually going to go with the Dolphins to cover. Four and a half isn't that big of a spread. And I think this could be really be a close game, especially Miami's defense is pretty good, maybe a little overrated, but Arizona's defense is not good. And this should be the time for Tua to really cement himself as an up-and-coming quarterback because we didn't really get to see it last week. Herbert and Burrow, we've seen them for a few weeks now. Well, I mean, Burrow for the whole season. I think Herbert didn't play the first game and then played against the Chiefs. We've seen them ever since. So I think this class is already impressive and Tua can just add to the collection. All right, Sunday night, definitely the most, what do I even want to say, competitive? Competitive looking game of the week. We got the New Orleans Saints going to Tampa, face the Buccaneers. Saints coming off the win against the Panthers? Was that the Saints game? Oh, no. They beat the Bears. I was getting weeks confused. So, yeah, Saints coming off that overtime win. Tampa Bay coming off the Monday night win. That really almost didn't happen. I think it was a classic. The Bucks were looking ahead to this week because this is... They win this game. That's really the division. Unless they really falter and the Saints take over that lead. This is really for the division. Tampa Bay is favored by four and a half. The Bucks are six and two. The Saints are five and two. Bucks are looking forward to their bye soon. This is gonna be a great I mean at least I hope it's gonna be a great game. The only thing that I didn't realize that they did, at least just it didn't like clue into my head that Drew Brees and Tom Brady are trading the all-time NFL touchdown like record back and forth and it's going to be really funny because I think right now Brady's at 571 and Breeze is at 570 I would love to see Drew Brees throw two touchdowns before Brady does and then Brady come back and throw two touchdowns just so they can trade the lead back and forth on a Sunday night I think that'd be really funny this game could really like it just in my head could be 
seven three ten seven or it could be 55 52 there's so many options for this game if 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 drew Brees can throw down field they're going to be able to score on tampa bay and rating the bucks have just really had an uh elite offense after that saints game Michael Thomas is coming back for the Saints. Antonio Brown's expected to make his debut with the Bucks, probably in limited capacity. Yeah, you just stack these offenses against each other, and it's Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas versus Tom Brady, Mike Evans, and Rob Gronkowski. The Bucks running back situation is just more of who's good right now, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. LaShawn McCoy, they just kind of will throw anyone in that spot. That's very interchangeable. While the Saints, Alvin Kamara is the majority of their offense. So that's Sunday night. Let's go to Monday. New England at the New York Jets. I remember, I think it was last year, that this was a Monday night game. And it was an absolute blow. It wasn't close. I think that was the, they had Sam Darnold mic'd up. And he started talking about how he's seeing ghosts. I can't imagine how the Jets are not going to fire Adam Gase after this year because you're going to waste Sam Darnold's career at this rate. He should just go to the Steelers. So, yeah, Jets plus 7.5. The Patriots have not been impressive. I think I put them 24th in power rankings because I'm done giving them the benefit of the doubt. They're 2-5. and five. Cam Newton played had impressive numbers but fumbled when it mattered most. So, to me, do the obviously... Those numbers count, but do they really matter? You lost the game. I'll take the Patriots to win. I trust Belichick enough to do that. But I think seven and a half is a little steep. I don't know. I just what what has anyone seen from that Patriots offense that convinces you, oh, they're gonna beat the Jets by more than eight points, more than a touchdown. I haven't seen it. I could be completely wrong. It could be a repeat of last year, a Monday night game where the Patriots blow up the Jets, but it just, to me, I don't see it. Patriots to win, but Jets will keep it close. So that's it for the NFL. I was going to look at the stat leaders, but it's really misleading. We got Matt Ryan leading the, the league in passing yards. Not that surprising. Wide receivers, I guess. DeAndre Hopkins is first in yards. Then Stephon Diggs, Robbie Anderson, DK Metcalf, Devontae Adams. Interceptions are actually Xavier Howard, Kendall Fuller, and JC Jackson. Sorry, and Carlton Davis, all at four. Kind of hard. Sacks. It's it's all pretty. It's people you would expect. It's Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett. So that's it for the NFL. We can look at. This is going to be the miscellaneous news segment. Uh, the NBA, we have a confirmed start December 22nd. So we're going to get Christmas Day basketball. It is the quickest off season in any major sport. 71 days between the end of the NBA finals and the beginning of this next season. And the way I saw it was LeBron James posting on his Instagram. Uh, he put an emoji of uh, the person with the hand, their hand in their f- hand in their face. Yeah, just like disappointment. LeBron said, "I mean, Danny Green said it on a podcast. I can't remember which one it was, but he said that he would expect LeBron to take the first month of the season off." And then Barack Obama on the shop, the HBO The Shop, it was Barack Obama, LeBron, and Maverick Carter. Barack, Obama asked him about like playing or missing games. I can't remember the exact question, but LeBron basically said like he's not going to play to start the year. Like he's this is going to be year two thousand four, year seventeen, year eighteen. He's been playing since he was eighteen and. Something like that. Birthday in late December. That's a tough turnaround. 71 days. Just like not even. They were in the bubble for I think around 100 days. And 30 less days to get ready for the next season. That's that's pretty steep. Obviously teams haven't played since March. But for the Lakers. They, 
the West is going to be competitive anyways. I don't really think they... Obviously, seeding is going to matter, but I don't really think that much. Besides that, obviously, we have the NBA draft coming up. I think it's so up in the air, and I don't even know if I want to do a mock draft because it's going to be wrong, like really wrong. There's going to be trades and stuff. I'll probably still end up doing it. I might just do the lottery just so it's easier and less to worry about. Apparently, the New Orleans Pelicans are shopping Drew Holiday, which... The only trade I saw that made sense that actually seemed really fun was Drew Holiday for CJ McCollum on the Trailblazers. Just a straight-up trade. I think that would help both teams. I think for the Pelicans, you get a reliable scorer. He would become their number one scorer. I know Brandon Ingram looks good and they have Zion, but CJ McCollum would walk in there and be their starting shooting guard, and he's a scorer. And pairing him with Lonzo is actually pretty smart. He can handle the ball. He's been doing it when Dame got hurt or when Dame's on the bench. He's he's done that for the for the Blazers. And for the Blazers, that's a great trade. Drew Holiday and Damian Lillard as your backcourt. Drew Holiday is one of maybe, if not the best, defender at the guard position. I think that'd be a, a really fun trade. The other other rumor, which... I remember before it was like the uh, the Cavaliers had a trade package for Ben Simmons, which, sure, you're going to give them Colin Sexton and Chetty Osman and, and an Andre Drummond. No, not Andre Drummond because of Embiid, but what's the package going to be to help like that's going to convince the Sixers to get rid of Ben Simmons they're going to give this team a chance this year unless they get a out of this water trade but the Sixers are apparently expected to pursue James Harden obviously now the connection Daryl Morey the former GM of the Rockets joined the I think he's the president of the 76ers basketball operations obviously the clear connection Daryl Morey traded for James Harden from the Thunder and now wants to get him back. They also apparently won't trade Embiid or Simmons in that trade. And that trade to me, if I'm Houston and you're not giving up Embiid or Simmons, which already I would hang up, but I'd say, okay, I would need probably five or six first round picks. If you're not giving up one of your two cornerstone franchise guys, I need the next six, six first round picks or... You have to, for the next, so maybe not six, so maybe for the next seven years. So think, I'm going to say you're just making this trade tomorrow. You'd have to give me your 2020 first round pick, your 2022, your 2024, your 2026. And every year in between that, I would want pick swaps. I'm not giving up James Harden for, if it's not in Peter Simmons, it's, draft picks and that I just listed out to 2026 2028 22 24 26 and I want pick swaps every year in between that and you still have to give me assets you still have to give me a player just to match contracts pretty much so it'd be Tobias Harris and someone else even give me Matisse Thibault I would have the most ridiculous trade demands if you're trying to get James Harden you are not going to be set up for your future if you want James Harden and you're not giving up Embiid or Simmons it's just not realistic uh that's really about again it's November 7th we have 11 days to the draft so I have time to talk about that the MLB there's a few there's a few interesting news stories the Mets officially finished the sale of their franchise and now they've cleared the front office just so I think Stephen Cohen is the guy, is the new owner of the Mets. He's just going to want his own guys. It's not really that big of a news story. Uh, Justin Turner, who after the Dodgers won the World Series or during game six of the World Series, he had tested positive for coronavirus. He was removed for the game, but joined the team on the field for celebrations. And everyone defended him for this, but and now he's not getting punished. And apparently there's still people in Texas quarantining that I think it was like five staff, family member, player, I don't know, just 
they had like five positive tests and it's been 10 that's honestly crazy that's been 10 days but how would you not like how is there no consequences for doing that for sacrificing not even your own health because obviously you can't punish him for his own health but just for the rest of the team and the rest of the team was fine with him being there and thought oh yeah he should be obviously he's a part of your team he has a he has the virus the pandemic the thing that stopped your season from even starting like on time obviously they did get through it but at the beginning I said it in one of my first episodes I did the MLP season wasn't trouble they had multiple teams that just couldn't play because they had too many positive tests. And now, now it's just okay that this guy has it. Maybe had it. At the time, has it. We know he has it and is on the field. And at some point is taking off his mask to take pictures. That's just ridiculous to me that you don't, there's just no punishment for that. Baseball is just, they don't understand how to do punishments. And that transitions perfectly into the Boston Red Sox rehire Alex Cora as their manager. He was their manager for the last, obviously, did not manage this year. He had a year suspension because of a cheating scandal. He was a part of the Astros cheating scandal. And after serving his year suspension, he has been basically reinstated as the Red Sox manager. And I don't know how you could allow I mean... Sure, he served his time, he served his suspension, so then I guess he's free reign, but I don't know. Just that, that to me, the punishments, if I'm in the MLB, I don't really care. I would just start cheating. Okay, would it, so you're going to, what, lay down the smackdown to the next team that cheats? Just doesn't, it, it really doesn't add up to me. And I know it sucks and I probably sound like, eh, maybe not that I'm whining, but just... If you're the MLB and you want teams to take you seriously, if you want anybody to take you seriously, when people do something that's wrong, you punish them. I know the players got immunity with the Astros, but man, that's just, that just doesn't make sense. At least, I mean, the Red Sox traded away their best player in the last like 15 years. So how good that can they really be? Obviously they could be in playoff contention, but I don't know. It's just kind of mind boggling to me that they would let both of these things happen. The, I mean, we're still a little bit away from MLB free agency, but the real trade rumor, which I think is fascinating, is that Cleveland is going to trade Francisco Lindor, and apparently they want to do it before opening day next year. If you are a team in the MLB and you are not completely cap-strapped, which it's not even cap-strapped, it's just the matter, man, like actually having money, Go trade for Francisco Lindor. I do have a shortstop already. Cool. One of him, your incumbent shortstop, or Lindor can move. They're baseball players. They can figure it out at another position. If you're Cleveland, you're going to regret that trade. You're going to get pennies on the dollar for a top four shortstop, top three shortstop. I don't really know where you want to rank him. It doesn't matter. He is a big bat. He's a great fielder. He is a personality. And honestly, getting him out of Cleveland would be great. If he went to the Angels, the Yankees, the Mets even, get him in a big city, he's a big personality. I think that would it would be great for him to get out, but for Cleveland, that just kind of takes you out of the running. Just at that point, you should just sell your team. Get rid of Jose Ramirez, Shane Bieber, everyone. Just if you're getting rid of Lindor because you don't have enough money, get, just get rid of everybody else. Give every good every good player you have to a team that could use them and is willing to pay them. The final baseball story, which to me is, it's a really good story and, it, and it's fun to look forward for the Toronto Blue Jays because Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who apparently, he, I mean, he admitted that he was overweight he was out of shape going into the season now he's lost 32 pounds he apparently wants to play at uh well if he was 280 so he's probably around 250 right now and he wants to play somewhere between 240 and 250 he looks really good he's lost a lot of weight and I think it's interesting because the Blue Jays are one of the teams that are interested in Lindor if not your infield's pretty set you have three guys that 
Bobochet's your shortstop unless you get Lindor and you want to move him. But we're not talking about hypotheticals. Kevin Biggio can be your second baseman. He could be your third baseman. He could be your first baseman. There's Vlad, obviously. He could be your first or third baseman, wherever you want to put him. If they've shifted him to first base during this shortened season, if they think he can stay there or the weight loss helps and he's a little more agile and can handle third base, you can move him back there. They just they have the pieces there. And it's going to be fun to watch this Jays team, especially if they have any similar level to pitching. That, to me, could be a playoff team in like a regular regular season that could be a wild card team i don't know if they're really like superseding the rays or the yankees but even right now just looking at them that's the third best team in that division and they could make it they can make the playoffs it's very very possible and that's that's great for the jays who are just a couple years removed from what looked like a not a dynasty but at least competitive, I mean, playoff, like a perennial playoff team for a few years. In the NHL, really not not much going on. Um, Alexander Ovechkin wants to retire in Russia. That's really kind of the biggest news story. Um... Yeah, they're just at this point we're we're waiting for the season. They said January first. I don't know how realistic that is. I mean, if they could figure out a game plan and they can have a schedule, that's that's fine. They're probably going to be playing the NBA because it's the seventy-two game season. They're going to finish before the Olympics. The NHL doesn't care about not that they don't care about the Olympics, but I don't know if they're going to care as much competing with the Olympics because they don't really get that good of ratings anyways, except really in Canada. And even in Canada, they're not as, as much as people would think. But I mean, the NBA is going to figure it out for 72 games from December. If you have a 48 game season, like the lockout and you start January 1st, that's more than possible. And obviously change up the divisions. Which I think the NBA should do too. I, I was looking at that and I'll get into it on another episode or maybe might be trying out a new format for not the podcast, but just an extension of content that I make. Not ready to officially announce or give a link or anything, but you just have to wait and see. So besides that, uh, if you want to check out Dion Family Network on Instagram, have all our personal Instagrams there post every episode obviously you can find this podcast apple podcast spotify anywhere you get your podcast all those links will be in the description again if you want to see nfl picks nhl and mlb nba all that stuff once it starts coming back mock drafts anything like that you can head on over to my blog jack-dion99.blogspot.com and besides that We'll see you next time.